Yeah, good. So I've just arrived at the de Havilland Air Museum. Well, and I've met with Derek, who we've spoken yeah. to before. Nice to see you, Derek. Hello there, Johnny. Good to see you as well. So take us through. We've lit- I've literally just got out of the car. Yeah. I met with lots of spectacular sights as I've come in and parked. <laughs> yeah. And um, so take us through, Derek, really, what we can see and where we are okay. and how it works. Well, we have, as you can see, a number of fuselages and entire aircraft on, uh, on the field over there. And then you can just see... Uh, the the large white building which is our main workshop which we'll get to in a moment closer at hand is a specific workshop where they're restoring a a pre-war de Havilland airliner and then the corner of the black building there is one of our two main hangars Um, that's the uh, Walter Goldsmith hangar and just beyond just out of sight is our new hangar the Geoffrey de Havilland which was opened in uh, 2019. Right, and as I say, it's a beautiful day today, yeah, isn't it, yeah, really? The flag's fine. And it's a, a lovely setting. Yeah. For anyone that hasn't been here before, we're literally, you, you can just hear the sort of M25 in the yeah. background, but it's, it's a lovely setting, isn't it? it Do you is. want to just explain where we are, in fact? Right, well, we're at um, Salisbury Hall, in the grounds of Salisbury Hall, and you pass that on the drive in, because we're about, what, a quarter of a mile, aren't we, from the road outside and, and then just down from London Coney and uh, these were all grounds that belonged to Salisbury Hall and just before the war Geoffrey de Havilland um, acquired uh, the site here to develop his mosquito aircraft that we'll see later he wanted to develop it away from the main factory in Hatfield for security reasons so there was a dedicated hangar here where the prototype was designed and built in just under a year and then it was taken apart which is not as complicated as it sounds and then flew from the Hatfield factory uh, towards the end of 1940. Right I see so that's the connection really. Mm. So Yeah yes this is, is the, the museum and we're fortunate that we've got you know quite a lot of space so that we can grow um, the, the facility here. And yeah. you're open from every day, I saw the sign, is it from 10.30, not every day, but from 10.30 is it? Uh, yes, 10.30, we do have summer and winter openings, but uh, yeah, at the moment we're closed on Mondays because inevitably uh, we, we like to keep one day a week without the public being here because then we can really get right, to work on, you, our, yes. on the maintenance. Yeah. But no, we, we, this, we're moving into all year round openings. A lot of small museums close in the winter, but fortunately we've been made it viable that we can now open. Well, let's go, shall okay. we? Yeah. So as you can see, the first thing you walk through is, is the museum shop and there's a lot of um, mementos as yeah. well as specific textbooks and a lot of, of models oh, that you right. can make. Perhaps it's worth pointing this out to you. Yeah. Um, what sort of people volunteer at de Havilland's? We've got a, a, a loop of... Um, um, on a TV audio. screen, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Um, and as you can see there, you know, DIY, gardening, ground maintenance, aircraft restoration. Really, almost anybody could find a, a role here that they would enjoy. As you see, uh, some people come from a, a much more commercial background, marketing, yeah. uh, admin, um, or people more like me who are quite happy to meet and greet because right, you know, people need so to be shown around. It, it's not just I've got a mechanical background or yeah. anything along those no, lines. it isn't. To, to make a museum viable, you need a whole raft of uh, 
volunteers and skills um, to support what we're about to see, which are, are the um, aircraft displays. Yeah. And in fact, we, we have about 150 volunteers. The only people that uh, are paid are our general manager and also our um, uh, retail manager, who's it's his day off today. Right. But the rest of us, everyone else you see here, um, and you can see a oh, well, rogues that's a gallery <laughs> coming up indeed, there. Yes. yes. Um, they, they're all volunteers and give, well, I, I tend to do one day a week. Others do rather more. Um, and, uh, you know, quite a range of people there. And uh, ladies as well as gentlemen. Don't, don't think it's uh, yeah. exclusively male. Indeed, yeah. And as a result of uh, the success of the museum, we've just been um, awarded the Queen's Award for Voluntary Service, which we're very proud of because it's the equivalent of an MBE. And oh, two right. people from the museum will be going up to Buckingham Palace to receive the award. Oh, wonderful. So we can um, use the, 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 the logo there um, in our publicity. And it's uh, uh, another way of um, demonstrating to the public you know what a fine museum we are and you know that's a real tribute to the volunteers oh, absolutely. but also it says us about de Havilland in our history yes. as part of the the UK's history is really yes. important as well absolutely yes uh, I mean the the brand has gone now absorbed into British aerospace but uh, for goodness um, 60 odd years yeah it was at the forefront made some marvelous aircraft so Perhaps we could go and see. Yes, let's one let's, let's let's go through. Lovely, thank you. So, <laughs> as you may hear in the background, there's the sound effect of a plane going over, and that, as as we enter, there's a little sensor, is it, that yes. just triggers that off? That's right, and that immediately transports you back to the 1940s, because that's not just any aircraft that is a de Havilland Mosquito right and you are now looking at the prototype that was built here assembled here back in 1940 um, and what always strikes me and I've been looking at this for four years it's just how big it is. Do you know what? That was the first thing that was on my mind. Because yeah. when you... Obviously, I know it sounds a silly thing to say, oh. but when you see planes in the air and you see them on films and war yeah. films and things, yes, the size yeah, is it incredible. Is. It is. Absolutely incredible. It's enormous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so what you're looking at here, it, uh, it's twin-engined, as you can see, yeah. and it's a Merlin engine. So four of those engines powered the Lancaster bomber. One of those engines powered the Spitfire. So it, it was the engine, the Rolls-Royce right, That's interesting. So it was the same engine, but in different planes. And they just Absolutely. looked at the different numbers for oh, the certain yeah. sizes yeah. of the planes. Yeah. So um, not only are these two very powerful engines, but much of the airframe is made of wood. So you've got a very light right. aircraft and an awful lot of power pulling it through the air, which meant that... For about two years during the war, it was uh, the fastest thing flying, and it relied on its um, speed and height to um, evade uh, attack. And uh, this um, 
this particular aircraft is shown with its uh, underside in yellow. Yeah. It was. <laughs> so that was uh, that was one of the things that was on my mind. Yeah. yeah. So because as we look at it, I can see from the angle we're at, yeah. we're looking at kind of grey grey green on top is it uh, it's, it's standard sort yeah, of standard. camouflage yeah that you'll see on so the wh- others. why the yellow underneath <laughs> to stop friendly fire oh. people didn't know what it was they're flying it around to clock up the hours and test it thoroughly and of course you know down on the ground they we don't recognize what this is you mm. know it's not on our uh, list of silhouettes here so we'll take a pot shot oh, and that was yeah oh, so uh there it is, the wooden wonder, remarkable aircraft. I mean, as you say, very, very quick and, and yeah. um, could nip around. But I would also imagine it being wood, high, highly dangerous if, you, you know, <laughs> if you're flying that and you got hit. Yes, yeah, I did sit in uh, one and, and visitors Don't worry. can come and for an extra charge, uh, they can have a, a cockpit tour of one. But I did sit in one uh, a, f- a couple of months ago and it struck me that, you know, I've got perspex in front of me and um, uh, plywood around me and that's it but it was very fast and it made it relatively safe not only that it was a very versatile aircraft so it could uh, it could be a fighter it could be a bomber uh, it carried it was adapted to um, uh, intercept surface um, uh, u-boats um, it was even a uh, a cargo plane, I, and I'll, sh- should we walk over? Yeah, and let's, tell you let's about have that. a little look. I mean, at the moment, as as we're recording this, the big film that's in the cinema at the moment is Top Gun, and so people are looking at planes. And if you've wow. seen that film, this the the evolution from this to yeah. the, the planes they fly nowadays is yeah, incredible. Right. Again, I'm just struck by the size and the length. Yeah, it's, 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 it's big, isn't it? You yeah. think it's going to be like a Spitfire or, uh, you know, with, with men scrambling in, you know, hopping onto the wing. But you needed a ladder to get into yeah. one of these. Yeah. And it's I could big. see the plywood. I see what, see what you're making. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, well, look, here's a cross-section of the wing. And... Uh, you, know, you, you, you can see how it's um, uh, braced here, and uh, there's the plywood there. Yeah. De Havilland's were in the vanguard of um, uh, the adhesives that you needed to, uh, right. to, to make these aircraft. Yeah. So, yeah, a, a lot of it was, um, was balsa as well. Really? Uh, Gosh. Yeah. Uh, Which I suppose is incredibly light. It's very light, yeah. And the, the great virtue was that, um, unlike most military aircraft at the time which relied on aluminium and we haven't got any aluminium in this country (laughs) so it was highly valuable and strategic material wood well it does literally grow on trees (laughs) yes indeed and so we were able not only to uh, use wood um, but we were able to harness the furniture factories which um, you know were not making such a big contribution to the war effort at the time so uh, suddenly, you know, we could use um, huge furniture factories like at High Wycombe and Liebus's in Tottenham. Right, so all relatively local. Yeah, relatively yeah. local. And much of the work was light and relatively unskilled. So um, as you can see in some of the photographs just over here, yeah. um, a lot of the, uh, the workers are in fact women. And I'm just looking Ooh. for one of the 
the um, ah, they must have moved it. As Sorry, was the case though with the war effort, wasn't it? So many women behind the scenes, absolutely playing a vital yeah. role. Well, here you can. Here we are. Here's some balsa. And I'm just <laughs> see. I've got a bit of balsa wood, yeah. and I don't know if anyone. At a certain age, used to do balsa wood at school. Absolutely. And, I mean, I've got a bit in my hand yeah. here. We're probably about four inches across by about a foot. And yeah. totally light. Yeah. Totally light. A gust of wind would take yeah. that away. There's nothing to it at all. Yeah. And, and these parts actually were dredged up from the Thames. But oh, right. uh, you, can, you can see here, well, I'm not entirely sure what this is, but uh, just part of the assembly there. Right. Um, and... It's not only impressive because of the, um, you know, the fact that it's made of wood, but the whole design was so clever that the, um, if, if the listeners can imagine an Easter egg, you know, Easter eggs have yes. two halves. Yeah, yeah. Well, the aircraft were moulded into two halves. Um, being plywood, they would steam it around um, wow. usually concrete moulds. Yeah. And the two halves would go together, like the two halves of an Easter egg. Yes. And all the fluids would run down one side and all the electrics would run down the other side. Oh. And then um, there would, the wing yeah. just went up in one piece, held in by just four bolts. Really? Yeah, Gosh. that's it. So and we're talking, I mean, I know we said it's light, but we're, we're talking uh, 15 foot in length or, or each wing. E- each wing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would if, say if more than that. 20 foot, yeah. yeah. E- easily. Gosh, so, yeah. You know, I mean, this is a big building and you can see we couldn't well we've managed to get three in here but um they they only just fit in um and not just to go back to a a very clever innovation not just the wood but these here these interlocking blocks of rubber each about the size of a hand yeah are the suspension and if you look there you can see a silver what should we call it should we call it a shock absorber yes yeah um and there's two of them one on either side of the wheel and these just sat in there that's all the suspension was a blocks of rubber really gosh and so very simple to make very easy to maintain if if one broke or perished you just uh, took the bottom off and, and put some more in. I would imagine not the smoothest of landings. No. If, we, if we're talking a lot of lot of grass runways. And uh, yeah, yeah, but it, it worked. And, of course, it, it wasn't just used here. Some of your uh, listeners will perhaps remember the very first minis back in 1959 had rubber block suspension right, like this. Yeah. Don't, there's a lot to it that uh, is, is innovative, is clever, is resourceful. Yeah, and there's, it's clever, but also the simplicity as yeah. well, which, which is probably so many things in life. The simplicity is the, is the, uh, the intelligence behind well, it. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing, isn't it? I know my son's an engineer, and he, he, his first day at work, uh, you know, fresh out of university, they, they asked him to do something, and he, a week or so later he came back, and they said, that's great now make it for half the price and that's what you've got to do you, right. you've got to make things cool. cheaper and simpler without compromising on the performance right lovely right where should we head off to now well, let's, let's have a look oh okay so we're we're walking through um oh this is interesting here um can you can you imagine so, what this what this so is? we're looking here at a large sort of wooden um, yeah. It's sort of like a boat turned yeah, over. Yeah, turned, an overturned boat so. would be a good description. And I've just read what it is, which <laughs> just 
is incredible. So it's a plywood fuel tank. Yeah, yeah. These were drop tanks. And that's not thick at all. No, no. But beautifully made. Yeah. And these were hung uh, just outboard of the um, uh, the engines. Yeah. And you you flew, you, you consumed the fuel in these first, dropped them, and then continued with the standard. So when oh, oh right so I they would see. be about, yeah about here yeah outboard of the uh, of the engines because if they were taken off from Hatfield mm. so how much sort of fuel would they if they were doing uh, is it hard to say is it? it it's yeah I'm I'm not the expert but they could certainly get to um, the western side of Germany and back um, e- very easily and they could also. Um, actually some nights do two um sorties so they fly to germany yeah um deliver the load yeah fly back bomb up again and deliver another load wow yeah gosh. which which is remarkable yeah um so look we can we can come over here and see one that was developed yes specifically because i was to say looking at the different designs yeah there's this this one looks I don't know a little bit stockier in some ways. Is well, it? there may be or some changes uh, in that respect. Or it might but be the, the colour. This is a this oh, is a well, grey yes, as this well. Is, this is all done in in standard yeah. um, um, camouflage colours. But as you can see, its payload was this four thousand pound bomb. Now to put that in some sort of um, perspective, uh, an American flying fortress carried a payload of six, perhaps six and a half, uh, 6,500 pounds. So just one aircraft with two crew, navigator and pilot, could carry two thirds or more of the payload of a flying fortress that had a crew of 10. Wow, gosh. So it really was a a very um, uh, resourceful, and, and I'm looking there, and it says that's a £4,000 in weight bomb. bomb. That's right. And that's an incredible... Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Incredible absolutely. weight for them it to is, carry as well. Is. And just one other thing before we move out of the mosquito hangar. Um, the bomb bait wasn't just used for carrying bombs. Let me, let me show you something. Yeah, of course. Mm. Go no, don't worry. It sounded, it sounded really good. Oh. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, if you look here, so you can start now. If you look here, you can see we've got a display panel yeah. with the title BOAC mosquitoes, and some mosquitoes flew under BOAC livery to Sweden uh, to collect ball bearings. Um, the oh, Luftwaffe nice. yeah. <laughs> did the same. Swedish ball bearings were and i think still are the best in the world and it's critical so they were supplying both sides well they were neutral yeah yes. <laughs> anyway incredible. one um one time uh in the bombay uh they had a passenger which was the danish physicist niels bohr yeah and he had escaped from denmark to neutral sweden um and he was required for the Manhattan Project, the development of the atomic bomb over in the States. So they, they brought him back in a bomb bay. And, um, I'm just reading the story about yeah, it. Interesting yeah. little story. I well, t- yeah. 
you, you, you can read there. He thought he'd had a, a marvellous relaxing flight, but in fact he was unconscious because there was a fault with his oxygen mask. So he fell asleep for yeah. the journey. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you could argue that that was one of the most um, important sorties that a mosquito ever did. Indeed, yes. Yeah. 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 So we've wandered over to another part of the hangar here, and this looks a very sort of strange contraption, again made out of wood. What have we got here, Derek? Well, this is, uh, there's even more wood in the horse glider than there was in the mosquito. There's very little metal in it. Um, and we only have part of this because these were designed to deliver up to 30 troops, sometimes with... Uh, a field gun and maybe a, uh, an armoured car to a specific location. Um, now, you might say, well, why didn't they um, just use paratroopers? The problem with paratroopers is you get scatter right. uh, as they jump yes, out yeah. of the aircraft. Well, with, with a horse or glider all being well, the um, 30 or so men land in the right place. And we've got a diorama here showing one in Normandy. Again, you know, you could argue that um, these were, were uh, took part in one of the most significant operations in the war because the paratroopers who landed in these horse gliders um, were the first Allied troops on um, uh, mainland Europe at uh, the very early hours of D-Day and they had to capture vital bridges just inland yeah. of the landing beaches. Right. Otherwise, the, the troops would have been of hemmed course. in on the yeah. beachhead. And that's exactly what they did. Um, curiously, some did survive. Um, there's an awful lot of work in them. I mean, this looks kind of shabby now, doesn't it? But, you no, know, but the, looking it, at the framing, yeah, the, oh, you know, it's, it is, absolutely. It's a, a carpenters would be over the moon with oh, that. They would, yeah. chippies would be over the moon. Absolutely. And if you look um, at these um, six identical barrels, as they were called, that made the fuselage, you can see that the pieces of uh, plywood are laid sort of rather like parquet flooring. You yes, just yeah, see yeah. that there. Again, to maximise the strength. Wow, incredible. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that we've had time to, to show you this because um, this is my real family link with the museum that my father, before he went into the army in 1943, worked as a machinist in um, Liebus's furniture factory in Tottenham. And he remembers making machining parts for both the Mosquito, but especially the horse glider. Oh, wow. And at first, of course, it was all secret. They didn't know what yes, they were. Yeah. And he, he used to say, well, we, we know what they were, but they certainly weren't wardrobes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And um, this, uh, it's technically, it's uh, a, an airspeed horser. Um, by 1940, de Havilland's had a controlling interest in airspeed. And airspeed was co-founded by someone who I can't remember, um, and Neville Shute, the author, oh, who, wow. and if, if listeners remember some of the Neville Shute books, um, a lot of them uh, feature, have aviation and military themes right. in them. Right, yeah. And I noticed there's some uh, footage here, film mm. footage. Yeah. And so this is of the horse, is it actually? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's the horse. Um, some of this is on, on or near D Day, you can see. The um, wings have got those white lines on them, the, the Allied D-Day lines. 
Oh, incredible. Yeah, incredible. absolutely. And just looking at the cockpit, I mean, it just it, it just looks yeah. so, without being rude, primitive oh, as well. well. It is. Oh, yeah. yes, it is. And um, uh, you can see them being towed there that the, the trick was to either fly slightly below the tug yeah. or slightly higher than the tug because otherwise, if you flew level with it, you caught all the turbulence right. of the propellers, yeah. which caused a very rough ride. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, there we go. Well, uh, worth checking out the horse. Absolutely. Yeah. And just Lovely. finally over here, this uh, substantial piece of uh, rope oh, yes. is part of the tow rope. Oh. <laughs> and uh, in it, you can see some wire. And people often oh, think that's right. for reinforcement. But yeah. actually, it was for the telephone that linked the pilot of the horse and glider with the pilot of wow, the Wow, well, I never. Yeah. Not, not what we have nowadays, really. No, no. Yeah, gosh, incredible. Absolutely right. incredible. You're interested, really interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, brave, brave men. Really okay. interesting. Yeah, so we've, we're, as I said, we're in the first hangar that you come through, and we're going to make our way yeah. um, onwards through the museum. Yeah.